Hey everyone, it's Megan Bowen, and you are listening to the Unwritten Playbook Podcast, where we showcase how smart and interesting people are breaking away from how things have always been done and charting a new path. We will explore topics ranging from marketing, sales, customer success, and also personal development and leadership themes. Join us to learn from pioneers who are paving the way for what the future brings. Hey everyone, welcome to the Unwritten Playbook where we talk to interesting people who are rejecting a status quo and paving a new way. I'm really excited for my guest today, Jonathan Soroka. He's an early stage SaaS sales strategy and management professional, currently a sales coach at Replays um, and a sales and go-to-market consultant for Loud Hailer. Welcome to the welcome to the show, Jonathan. I'm really happy to have you. Thanks for having me, Megan. It is my pleasure. Well, I just briefly introduced you, but I want you to tell your story. Tell us more about who you are, what you've done, and why we should care. Oh, sure. So um, I, I've spent the last decade, for better or worse, in the uh, New York tech um alleys trying to figure out SaaS startups. And uh, I've had uh, uh, great successes at sail through and rev tracks and I've had challenges since. So I've kind of seen the good, the bad and the ugly of what it takes to get from zero to a million, a million to 10, 10 to a hundred. And uh, what I'm doing now, you know, uh, currently engaged with uh, Loud Halo and others is, is helping with the go-to-market strategy. So try to figure out how can a solution become a necessity and uh, love the work, happy to do sales work, happy to do anything in the spectrum of, of startup land, because, you know, if you get a Facebook, you can retire, but haven't gotten there yet. So, you know, keep keep plugging away and figuring it out and then and, and, uh, moving the ball forward. Yeah, absolutely. I love the sort of the breadth of your experience. Um, and I've sort of similar spent the last 15 years of my career in the sort of New York City B2B startup scene. And um, I actually think, you know, maybe in the moment going through some of the bad or the ugly parts aren't as fun, but it's often that's actually where you learn the most. Um, and so similarly, you know, have seen the, the fun of an IPO or, or an acquisition, but also the struggles of, you know, running out of money. <laughs> or other other things that can happen in, in startup land. Um, and go to market is also really, you know, what I love as well. I really grew up in my career in the customer success account management world, but um, was COO and was able to actually manage the whole go to market team for marketing, sales, success and operations. And I think that's when I really gained an appreciation for how important each of those components is to the go to market strategy. And you really can't, um, you know, it can't only be marketing. It can't only be sales, you know, can't only be success. Like you really need to have a, a strategy that has components of all of those disciplines. They need to be working together. You need to be thinking about that from the beginning to really set the foundation. So I'm excited to get into this topic with you. Um, and so to sort of set the table for this conversation, what I always ask is what is the status quo you reject and why you reject it? You just let into it beautifully. Um, it, it sounds flip, but if you don't have strategy at the top that aligns across political internal boundaries, you're not going to go forward. And what I'm doing now and what, why I love Loudhaler and, and, and the founders there and, and who I'm working with is that they, they don't care. 
Like, they're just like, how do we make this work? And, you know, I, I come from more of a sales background. You come more from a customer success background. But if we're not at the table together to figure out how to bring on customers, grow customers, we're not going to succeed as a business. And, um, you know, I think the biggest challenge I have is uh, uh, hundreds of VC connections on LinkedIn. I still question how much due diligence they do in giving people a million, two million, $10 million to grow revenue. How, how are you growing a business? So, so that's my, my big rejection is, 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 is this entire VC space based around growing real businesses or is it based around top line revenue to get to the next series raise, you know, and, and everybody cashes out. I don't know, but yeah, that's my question. <laughs> it's a great topic. And I think, you know, when I was in account management and, and joined a company where I, where I did become COO, it was funny because I, I think I experienced both sides. I came in and I was running account management and I was just very focused on my team. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make my team the best team ever. And I wasn't looking at the bigger picture. I wasn't looking at sales. I wasn't looking at marketing and I made a lot of positive changes. But when I took a step back, I actually, because I was so tunnel focused on my, my org, I actually made some choices that probably weren't in the best interest of the broader business, but I was just like, I'm going to make my department the best. And I think, I think that's part of the problem is you have these different functional leaders that have a lot of pressure to perform within their function and no real incentive to look at the broader picture and leadership often leaving it to those leaders to sort of figure it out without creating that cohesion and once I actually controlled and managed all of those functions and sort of took a step back, I realized like, oh, this is so silly. Like this is where the dysfunction is happening. We're all on the same team. We all work for the same company. And instead of over-optimizing for metrics that matter within these individual teams, let's take a step back and look at the metrics that, you know, that really matter to the business. Of course, growth, but also the unit economics, right? You want to have sustainable growth, not at you know, you want to build a business that is actually going to be profitable one day. Um, and, and what are the strengths of each of these functions and what should they be contributing along the way? And so that was my big aha moment. And I think we can kind of get into it more, but let's talk first about why this is the case and why this is a a problem. I think I sort of shared a little bit from my experience on kind of having the functional leaders really siloed and sort of over incentivized on, on their metrics, which I think kind of not allow the collaboration that's needed for this to really work. But I'd love to get your thoughts on like, how did we get here? Why is this a problem? And then we can talk in a minute about ways that you can overcome it. Yeah. I mean, if I were to reduce you to a renewal rate and an NPS score, you would punch me in the face like that. That's not, you know, how a business operates. And that that's what happens in silos. It's politics. It's it, it you know, it gets calcified and um, it, it's problematic. Um, where we're at today is so so uh, gray hair uh, and doing the COVID thing because I don't want to sit in, in front of a barber um, during during our our times right now. But two thousand was the last time that you could buy an eight figure Oracle SAP 
installed sales software solution. Uh, Salesforce comes out right around then. And then for the next two decades, we get the transition from cloud to SaaS to AI to NPL, like, you know, just everything that goes into the ether. But the ether is, I can just take it and own it. Like I've had CNN tell me straight up, oh, great, you're marketing SaaS? I'm going to do a free pilot with you. And I'm like, I just spent six months getting to here. And you're telling me that that's the lay of the land. So the, the challenge is um, how do we as, as an industry engage, blend with, consult with, work with, partner with, and get from hello to two years from now, a full on relationship because it's not happening six months closed, boom, done. So the challenge as, as I see it is, is it's not just management or sales. It's the entire organization needs to be structured so that you're improving this relationship continuously. And I, I, I just don't think that a lot of, um, SaaS companies are fully there yet. They still think they have the advantage. They still think they can angle and sell. They still think they can move something along and, and, and get uh, something to happen. When in reality, they're just dropping a link. They're starting a relationship and everything matters from there on. So what used to be my world where I got paid ridiculous money to do sales is now really in client success because we just get it started now and we need to figure out how to take it from that start point to fruition, to, to a uh, maximum client value. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, and in, in over the 20 years sort of that you described, I think like the transition that I've noticed is, you know, 20 years ago, arguably, you know, the seller was in control. And the seller had the power and the leverage and the, and, and the information and it's flipped. Now the buyer is in, is in control. They have the information. Um, they don't need to make any long-term commitments. Um, they have a lot of choices. They have access to learn about those choices on their own. And I think even though basically the whole paradigm has flipped the motions with which businesses believe that they can grow have largely remained the same. And, much, you know, yeah, for sure. Yes. And I, I, you know, as a customer success person, I love that you are, you're kind of going there because I, I completely agree. It's the trick isn't how many new customers can we acquire? It's how many customers can we retain for a long period of time? And like, it's hilarious. I feel like in 2020, they're like, with the COVID and the pandemic retention is the new growth. I'm like, I feel like retention has been like, retention has been important for probably 10 or 15 years. Well, and, they, they introduced empathy as a tactic in April. So, you know, there's a <laughs> lot of weird things that have come out in the last year for sure. <laughs> for that. I know. Um, but I think it's a, you know, I actually think it's a very solvable challenge. Um, but people are not, acknowledging this change in the landscape and just 
using the old playbook, doing things the way they've, they've always been done. And, um, you know, I completely agree. I think, you know, which is why I actually really love customer success because I, I actually think it's the foundation for scalable and sustainable growth in a business. Like if you haven't figured out how to keep your customers, it's, it's going to fall apart at some point. Yeah, hundred percent. Like I, um, when I try to work with anybody, I want to focus on growth with the capital G like what's the real growth, not like AT&T fines and, you know, uh, taxes outside of, of your normal relationship. It's, it's how, how do we grow a business? And before I got into sales, I was on the client success side. So I had the spreadsheet of, of 40 vendors that I worked with and the $2 million in revenue and everything that went into them. And being able to maintain and grow those relationships were super important to the company. Mm-hmm. And what, what I found the last, you know, uh, 10 years working in early stage startups, like, it's just like, we get a logo, we put it on the website. Okay. Got it. You know, move on. And no, that logo is like super important. And there's not a lot of heavy lifting that, that, that moves across to the other side. And, um, there's, there's a lot of challenges in what I've seen and, and you tell me what you've seen, but, uh, just when you start to hire the client success team, it ends up being like 20 somethings, nothing against 20 somethings, but like first time go in five figures, make it happen, but there's not a strategy, you know? And I, I know it's gotten better, but it's still not at the point where, where I feel like, you know, you and I could sit down and be like, well, how do we start? How do we grow? How do we move on? Like, I, I think that's the paradigm that needs to be shifted for, for SaaS sales is getting to the reality of it's not the first sell. It's probably your third sell. You know, it, it, it's, it's, it's months into this relationship. And if you screw it up, it's gone. And that's revenue gone, but that oh, doesn't, yeah. that doesn't seem to resonate as much as it should. Yeah. And you hit on something that I feel really strongly about is people don't, I think, have a appropriate level of respect for the complexity and the difficulty of a customer success role. Mm-hmm. I think, um, there's a lot of misconceptions and people will, yeah, it's like support or they're just making people happy. They're answering questions. They're helping them adopt a product. Um, but arguably the hardest job of an organization is the reten- the long-term retention of a customer. Um, because, Um, I think you're right. Not a lot of people have an explicit customer success strategy of how they actually plan to retain. But even if you do have a good strategy, executing against that is extremely difficult. Um, You're building a long-term relationship. You know, you have a lot of variables at play with respect to the other person's business, um, the how good your product or technology or your service actually is. It's usually not as good as the company thinks it is. And the customer success manager is filling all sorts of gaps to uh, ensure that any deficiencies in that product or service don't actually end the customer relationship, right? And I like to use the dating analogy. It's like, you can like... 
you can, you can get on an online dating app and you can get a bunch of first dates, but turning that into an actual relationship or a marriage is a whole nother game. And when you talk about a long-term relationship, honestly, a lot of the rules go out the window Mm -hmm. because a lot of people, you know, will end a relationship for no fault of the other, something, something happens. And so I think it's, I think it is a lack of strategy in many cases. Um, but then to your point, it like people are not investing in the right types of teams and people and resources that are needed to support that function. Because I think they just hand wave of like, oh, the hardest part is to get a customer and then keeping them is easy because our product is amazing and blah, 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 blah. Um, but that's another thing that I think people are missing the boat on. I, I, I think a part of it has to do with getting to the next tranche in investments, because if I'm spending money on, on you, Megan, then I'm not spending money on development or sales. And also my 80, 20 in what I'm investing in, in my company goes out of whack. What I should be doing is realizing that if I'm actually curing cancer with my software, if I'm moving the needle, if I'm doing something amazing, there's this thing called change management involved. Now, I throw that on you 15 years ago, 15 days ago, and say, go figure that out without a strategy, with a strategy. Like, it's a lot of effort, and you've never gotten paid half of your company's revenues to do that job. And that is tragic. Like if you actually want to be something somewhere, like you you might Google, you might Facebook, but for the most part, it's your customers and it's investing in your customers and it's helping them with the migration from where the present tense is to the future tense on what you sold them. And that now takes two more years to realize so if, if your team is not invested in to help with change management and you don't get there, you don't get past the pilot. You don't get past the $10,000 investment. You don't get to a hundred thousand. You don't get to a million because you gave up. And, you know, if we can work to fix that and get more people engaged in seeing how we carry this all the way through and build these long-term relationships. And, you know, this isn't, you know, uh, uh, REI Patagonia, like it's, it's great if you want to get there and, and, and have that core message. It's just good business, you know, Absolutely. That, that's, that's the thing that kind of blows my mind. And that's why I love working what I'm doing now. And, you know, what I, what I try to do is, is, is make that happen because when it does like, you know, you, you got great clients, right? You, you love working with them. You, you see them succeed. That only happens when you engage in them and, and, and invest in them and, and make it work. No, and this is a perfect segue. So let's get into sort of what what we're doing about this. And so, you know, this exists, this, this problem exists, the challenge exists. Mm-hmm. So let's talk through ways that companies can be thinking about evolving their go-to-market approach, um, thinking about you know, tackling this problem. So would love to kind of hear your thoughts on some of the key, some of the key areas there that, that can be done. And then, and then I can kind of weigh in on, on some of the things that are on the top of my mind. Please. Your, 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 your toughest part as a startup is getting money and, and getting going. Like, you know, you got the idea, you got the, the couple of, uh, of um, folks around you that, that want to see it work. Um, you got to get the right money. And you got to get it for the right reasons. And I think 
that if there's any, you know, like fine silver linings out of 2020 is that there's going to be, um, a, uh, uh, a lack of new VC funds. So when, when you dive in and you want to go forward like, um, cost of acquisition, cost of goods sold, like understand your entire business. Uh, My sense in everything that I've heard is that it's all about top line revenue. Figure out what it takes to actually do your business and, and go after that. And, and, you know, might, might sound uh, Mayberry RFD ish, but I think ultimately you build a better business and you have more chance of success because everybody's working together. Um, outside of that, I would say, um, just, just learn that you're no longer in charge of the sales process. And for, for everything that you guys talk about on a weekly basis, you're you're just getting people interested in what it is you do and engaging them. Um, you know, you, you can hire as many SDRs as you want, uh, as many A's as you want, but if there's no market there, there's, there's nothing that that's going to happen. You you have no more leverage. So this decade is going to be all about self-discovery and value generation. That that's my two cents. Yeah, no, I completely agree with everything that you said. And I think it's step one for me is the mindset shift of the buyer is in control. And so you have to keep that in mind. I think the second is um, in the current climate, um, you have to retain your customer like acquiring it is no longer enough. And so everything from your marketing and your sales strategy needs to be rooted in how am I going to retain this customer for the long term, right? And so when you think about marketing and sales, it's not just sort of brute force acquire as many customers as possible, as quickly as possible. It's how can we build a brand and build awareness about what we do? Um, How can we create a sales process that meets the buyer where they're at? Mm-hmm. Um, informs them appropriately, manages their expectations appropriately. And then um, and then what is the strategy for after we acquire the customer and being really thoughtful about that and resourcing that team appropriately so they can actually execute on the strategy effectively. And this also sort of has a huge assumption underlying it of you've built a product or you have a service that actually solves a real problem and brings real value. Let's not go there. That's just crazy talk. Like that. <laughs> for that. So huge assumption there and like really make sure that you're, oh, you're if, both- if, 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 you, if you do that, there, there's a, um, uh, an HBR case study that, um, looks at, um, if I'm remembering correctly, it's been over a decade, so excuse me, but uh, uh, Amex's customers versus Capital One's customers and Amex customers last for decades and kick back the value. Capital One needs to get like over 3.2 years. I, I forget what the exact number is, but like, you know, if we can get somebody on on the cheap rate and do whatever, and you know, if we get to two point, whatever, boom, done. They at least appreciate that. I, I think our conversations, if we were to to bring on a dozen founders and we were like, well, what, what's your profitability? It, it, it will get into question land really quick. And then mm-hmm. I get to you running 
client success. And I'm like, well, what's your strategy? And they're like, I just answer the phones. I just, I just respond to emails. I, I, I make sure that, that their system is up. It's not, you know, this full investment into how do we work together? How are we a partner? How do we grow together? And that's what I'd like to see is, is a lot more of that. Definitely. You hit on something really important. A lot of people, when they think customer success, they, they basically think what I would consider sort of table stakes, customer support, which is essentially what you were describing of reacting and answering questions, solving problems, sort of the bare minimum so that the customer like isn't upset. And then what they miss is actually real customer success is not that that's customer support. It's a Mm -hmm. critical mission, critical business function that deserves a ton of respect, but real customer success is actually proactive work and you need to sort of isolate that reactive work to a team that is resourced appropriately and set up for success to respond quickly um, and actually solve problems without involving too many other people. Um, But your customer success strategy actually needs to be rooted in how can I give my customer success manager the, the time and the space to deeply understand their customer's business and what their goals are and how our solution, our product, our offering actually drives their business forward or saves them time, saves them money, like whatever, whatever the value prop is. Um, And how am I going to maintain a relationship with the whole organization? Not just this one person that bought today that might not even work there in six to eight months, right? How do I create a relationship with the whole organization, demonstrate value, ingrain my solution, my product, my offering, within the business, the day-to-day business of that customer? Um, And then how am I communicating that value recognition so that the customer understands the positive impact that I'm having? And that's a hard and that's a lot of work. And like being honest about, you know, yeah, your CSM can't manage 400 customers and do that well with 400 companies. Right. And so I think a lot like that's, that's the strategy and really figuring that out. And a lot of it though, is even if they have that strategy, they don't resource the team appropriately. There's not enough people on the team or there's not enough people on the support team. So your CS team is actually really just a glorified support role, which happens all the time. (laughs) I will straight up tell every company why they're failing right now on how to um, keep and grow clients. I got into sales because I learned that I got paid a third of what the renewal rep got for my $2 million worth of business, for my active relationships, for my building and growing these things. And I was like, well, that kind of sucks, but I couldn't change what I was doing there and, and, and invest more in me to, to make that happen. I did what I I had to do and I enjoyed doing it, but I was like, I should get into sales because they get paid more. You know, like Mm -hmm. I guarantee that whoever's listening to this, you do not pay your, your CS team enough period. End of story. Start there. Then figure out how to help them with change management, because if you're actually curing cancer, they need to figure out how to work with them to do that. And then figure out how to connect your CS and sales teams together However you want to work that, there's a lot of ways you can do that, but to grow the relationship over time, because you're not going to close immediately. It's going to take two years to get to, to maximum um, account value. And it's going to take a team effort across your entire organization. And oh, by the way, pay the CS people more. 
just, just do it. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think like some of the foundational components that I think are required for a business to scale sustainably profitably, um, is really making sure that you are only bringing on the customers that make sense. It's too tempting for a lot of startups to just bring on any type of customer. And, and actually maybe there is a period of time where you're doing that so that you can actually figure out who is your best customer and who is your ideal customer, but you need to figure that out quickly. And then you need to really try and make sure that, you know, 90% of the new customers that you're bringing on match that profile. Um, because it, it, it's really, it's never, honestly, it's rarely a good idea to bring on a customer that isn't going to be a good long-term fit. And then it's defining, you know, what is, what is your sales process? And then how do they get handed off to the customer success team? And then what do they do from there? And I think that it's, it's an, it's unfortunate, but, um, and I, I've, I've done this too. Like I don't, I'm not sure why, but like, there's just not enough collaboration. There's too much sort of siloed leadership or ownership over these functions. And it just, the company's getting in its own way. Totally. And, and one of the biggest things is wh- where I would sit down with you is be like, I, I need to figure out what's our 50 percent, 75 percent bank on. I'm going to pull you in for a half hour hour in a sales call. Mm-hmm. Like I would bring you in earlier, especially enterprise clients. No doubt. You yep. know, tier like, OK, let's let's figure out, like, how are we not wasting time? How are we engaging positively in time? But um if, if you're not selling your SaaS solution as a software and a service, then you're missing out. And if I'm not bringing you in at 50% or 75% of the sales funnel, I think I'm losing out. I'm not, I'm not getting this deal as quickly. I'm not getting it as big. I'm not getting as engaged because you're the person that's going to be running the thing. And they need that and they need to understand that. So, so I think the, the biggest breakdown is uh, that I've seen is um, <clears throat> when I talk to a, a head of CS, they're like, I'm not getting on that call. That's a waste of an hour for me. What, what, you know, like you like close it and then let's figure it out. And that's oversimplifying, but like figuring out how to blend together through the sales process. But also now, like it's going to be another two years to get to the, the full value. So like this relationship needs to evolve. Like if Absolutely. we can do that for a decade, like, you know, like, oh, every day we're just, you know, like, all right, there's the sales meeting where they're asking for the money. There's the CS meeting where they're looking at the NPS scores, but get together and figure out how are we growing as a company? That would be great. Yeah, I completely agree. Well, so 10 years from now, future cast, mm-hmm. what, do you, what do you hope is true? Companies sort of catch up and catch on to this, but if we kind of fast forward, how would you paint the ideal landscape in 10 years from now if people begin to move in this direction? I'm, I'm kind of curious where the high watermark is on this um, SDR outreach crap. Um, Aaron, what's his face from Salesforce who predictable revenue, <laughs> awful human being that just ruined, um, the entire profession. And, um, was on a call with, uh, created this, this, um, mini sales network. And, and, and he was talking about a, um, a company that does uh, market research around who's interested in your company. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I, I can't say who it is, but um, he was just like, oh, well, basically they'll tell you this and then you just call them. 
when they're looking at you. And I'm like, great, you reduced 20 years of my life into I'm just an automated, you know, phone dialer. Not not happy. So I'm very curious to see how sales goes forward. Yeah. But I think it it will come full circle back to how we started connecting, building a relationship, driving value. And what I would like to see over this decade is with the ability to test software and try software and collapse stacks and build out stacks and, and, and do everything, where does the relationship conversation go? Mm-hmm. How, how are we going to find that point where it's like, okay, I trust you. Let's start talking. Let's, let's do things. Um, that's, that's moved a lot in the last two years, in the last 20 years. And what I, I would like to see is, um, you know, it's not going to be at a, 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 a conference. It's not going to be, you know, like in a million and one things that we've done, but like, what's the new thing that, that gets you into, we're having a conversation. Yep. How do we drive value? That that's what I would like to see figured out in the next 10 years. Yeah. I love it. Um, for all of our listeners, I always like to ask to wrap up the conversation. If people only took away one, one thing from this conversation, um, that they could keep in mind and act on tomorrow, what would be, what would be that one thing? Um, you're, you're effing kidding yourself. If you're not spending 40 to 50% on CS, Amen. Customer success for life. Uh, I I get that your investors don't like it. I get that you think it looks shit on paper. I get everything uh, when when you talk about going in to raise money. But if if you're actually curing cancer, if you're moving the needle with your software, if you think you're that good, you need to be spending 40 to 50% of your income on client success and growing your business. I love it. I love it. This was an awesome conversation, Jonathan. Thank you so much for joining me today. Where can people find you if they want to get in touch with you or learn more about what you're working on? People can find me on, on LinkedIn. That's my, my big social platform. Uh, and uh, happy to chat with anybody. Um, and always happy to chat with you. Thank you very much. Yeah, awesome. Thanks so much. This was a great conversation. And I look forward to talking again soon. Sounds good. Have a great one. 